Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, I have the next hour and a half to, no, I'm just kidding, I don't have that long. <laughs> it's only 30 minutes, don't, don't worry. Um, hey, uh, I want to, I feel like the Lord gave me this uh, to share with our, our church congregation this morning, and so would you pray with me just before we hop into the word, and um, it's called, it's, the name of this message is called The Middle. I don't know if you want to turn to your neighbor, neighbor. you don't have to, but, but it's called The Middle today. So Lord, we welcome you today, and we just pray that your presence would grow and increase over the course of our time over the next 30 minutes, and Lord, that you would um, fill us more with your spirit. Lord, that we'd be empowered today to go out into our world and reach people who are hurting, fearful, who need your presence, who need your spirit. So God, we pray today that you would do what only you can do by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is change our hearts and our minds and our lives. So we say we love you today. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's so good to be back together. I don't know, I guess maybe I'm a little selfish, but I like don't like enjoy watching a screen and worshiping. That's just personal preference. I know it's sort of the best we could do for the past couple months, weeks, I guess, but I am so glad that we are back together um, worshiping together. So I'm so glad that you are here. But we're also glad for you guys who are online too. And so we're glad you're watching too. But um, I want to talk to you a little bit today about um, the presence of God. There's been moments today where I've been feeling his presence. You ever felt like moments in your life where you felt the closeness of God, the presence of God? I think it's such a unique privilege in this day and age that we live in that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He broke the power of sin and death. He rose from the dead, and now he's seated at the throne, and you can experience God's presence like never before. In the Old Testament, See, followers of Jehovah, followers of God, didn't have the same access that you have. They couldn't go into the presence of God. The Bible says one man, one time a year, could enter into God's presence and not without fear of his life. Because if he had done anything wrong that was unrepented of, he would, he would die in the presence of a holy God. But you and I, we've been given full access to the presence of the holy, living God who has opened up the veil for you to walk directly in. It says in, in Scripture, come back boldly to the throne of grace so that you can find mercy and help in time of need. Can you say amen today that you're thankful for the access that you've been given to God's presence, that it doesn't take a ritual any longer, it doesn't take a priest any longer to open up something so you can go in, it just takes an honest and repentant and heart that's after God. It says, God, I want to experience you. I need you to restore my soul, I need you to come and help me in this situation. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about God's presence today, the presence of God. Has anybody here ever been in a long-term relationship? You know, you know what I mean by that? Like you had a significant other and you like lived in a different city and you had, to, you had to call them on the phone in order to talk, right? You couldn't go over to the house. You couldn't go out to dinner. 
maybe it was a few years ago where you didn't have FaceTime and Zoom, right? You had to like dial the phone and, you know, I, I come from the day where you had to remember people's phone numbers, right? You had to like, my best friend, I still remember my best friend Stephen Curry's numbers, 540-373-3324. I hope that's not anybody's number. Don't dial that. But, uh, I, you know, you had to remember phone numbers. But, uh, but, but you, you, some of you have been in long distance relationships. I had a, I had a friend in college who, they, uh, they dated, and there was long distance. And, and the funny thing about the relationship is they were never not long distance until they got married. And I just remember talking to them after they got married, and they were like, this is super weird. Like, I almost feel like we see each other too much. They were always together, right? They were married. They were always in the same house, always eating the same meals, always together. After being separated for so long, after going through a long dating period, doing long distance, and even when they were engaged, they were long distance, and then they got married, and all of a sudden, they're like, ooh, we are so close. <laughs> I feel like sometimes our relationship with God is more like a long-distance relationship than a marriage. You know, sometimes, um, you know, in a long-distance relationship, you talk a few times a week. You do the best you can. You text when you can. How are you doing? How's it going? Special occasions, holidays. Maybe you get a plane ticket and fly. It's not a moment-by-moment intimate relationship like a marriage is meant to be. I feel like sometimes in our life, our relationship with God, it was never meant to look long distance. It was always meant to be a picture of a marriage. What is marriage like? I'm not totally sure, but I'm assuming that you're always together. You become one. You're always in communication. And even when there's not words being said, I've seen married couples just sit there, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, well, this feels kind of awkward. They're just silent all the time. But they sit together in silence. But they just know what each other's thinking They've been together for so long that there's that unseen communication. Why? It's because there's close, intimate connection. I feel like sometimes with God, we treat him like a long-distance God. I show up on Sunday, do the Wednesday thing when I can. I'll pray if, if I have time this week, but, you know, maybe I'll sh- shoot him a quick text. <laughs> God, hope you're, hope, hope you're doing good. Please help. <laughs> uh, need help. Um, right? But God wants to walk with you. Not on, a, not on even a, an out, a day-to-day basis. He wants to walk. He provided the way for you to walk with him and for him to be in you in a moment-to-moment experience. It's like every moment. So I just want to say to you today that um, that's what God has prepared for you. In the Old Testament, I just want to, want to show you a cool Old Testament story today. Maybe just realign our hearts to remind us that God's not looking to be your long-distance friend. He wants to be closer than your breath. He wants to be involved in every decision. He wants to be involved in every relationship. He wants to be involved in your finances. He wants to be involved in your marriage. He wants to be involved in your words, your attitudes, your actions, your job, your career, everything. The Old Testament, the presence of God dwelled in this place called the tabernacle, and inside the tabernacle, there was this this room called the holiest of holies. So the tabernacle was a bunch of different layers, and we won't get into that today, but inside the innermost part of the tabernacle, there was this room called the holiest of holies, where there was a few things, but the main part of that room was the Ark of the Covenant, and what rested on the Ark of the Covenant was the very physical presence of God that went with the Israelites, because they were God's people wherever they went. I should have put a, a picture up this morning. But it's cool, when the children of Israel were traveling through the desert, 
They were nomadic people. God was bringing them to give them their own land, but they hadn't reached it yet. They're in this place called the wilderness, the time of testing. God gives Moses the plan for how they're supposed to set up camp. And, and the setup of their camp is this. In the very center of the, t- of, of, the, of the group is the presence of God in the tabernacle. The tabernacle, God's presence was in the middle, and surround it was all the different tribes of Israel. Surrounding the presence of God was their lives. See, see, I think God is speaking to us even in the very setup of his people, that God's presence wasn't meant to be put on the outside, somewhere where you travel to to go once a week or where you find out what he's saying when you're in time of need. No, God's presence was placed right directly in the middle of their lives. And every time they'd get up in the morning, they'd look to the center of the camp and they'd see where God lived. They see where God resided. He was right with them. And I think today, if our lives looked like a little bit more like the camp of Israel, if we'd put God in the center of our lives, maybe there'd be some more pillars of fire that we'd be able to follow. Maybe there'd be some more cloud that we could know direction. Maybe there'd be more supernatural provision. Maybe there'd be more things in our lives that wouldn't be so stressful and difficult if we choose to allow God to, to be where he wants to be, which is at the center, which is in the middle. I want to show you this verse, Numbers Chapter 2, verse 17 says, And the tabernacle of meeting shall move out with the camp of the Levites in the middle of the camps. And as they camp, so they shall move out everyone in his place by their standards. God always wanted to be at the center. He wants to be in the middle of your life. And so I want to share that with you this, this story today. It's a little-known story. It's actually only three or four verses in the Bible, and it's kind of hard. You've probably never heard this guy's name before, but I want to share with you the story of this guy named Obedidim. Strange name. Don't name your kids that. His name's Obedidim. This is what's going on. The Ark of the Covenant has been stolen from Israel, and Israel had just, has just taken it back. There's this huge celebration because God's presence is returning. What happens is um, is is that it's returning to Jerusalem. We, don't, we won't turn there, but in Numbers chapter four, somebody touches, this man Uzziah touches the ark and he dies. And David gets so fearful because of the, 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 the holiness surrounding this thing. He's like, everybody stop. We're gonna bring it to the closest location. We're gonna leave it there and we're just gonna pray, right? So what happens is David orders it, the, the ark of the covenant, the place where God's presence rests on the physical earth to be brought to this man's house named Obedidah. Can you think of the strange, uh, the strange uh, uh, account of that day? You're just living your life, you're living a normal day, and all of a sudden, the most holy thing on the earth is chosen to come live at your house. I don't know about you, but I would probably change the way I walked around my home. I would probably dress differently. I might change the things that I listen to, watch. I might, because the proximity of the presence of God, I might change the way I talk to my family. I might change the way that I think about situations. I might change the way I treat people. All of a sudden, this man, Obed-Edom, is given the great privilege of the holy presence of God living in his house. He's never lived in a house before. It's always been in a tabernacle. It's always been in a back room that nobody could get to. But all of a sudden, the presence of God lives in Obedidim's house? Let me just tell you who Obedidim is. In fact, there's not much to talk about because he's nothing really special. It says that Obedidim is from Gath. Gath's a Philistine city. If you don't know who the Philistines are, they're the enemies of Israel. Somehow this man is an Israelite who's come from an enemy of Israel and now serves God, but he's not anybody special. He's not in a special tribe. He's not a pastor's kid. He's not an evangelist. or a pre- he, 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 He's a normal guy. But it says he follows God. 2 Samuel 6 
10 through 12. I want to read these verses to you. Three verses. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. That's it. Three months. We were stuck in our houses longer than that. Three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. I just want to, if you didn't catch it this morning, Everything is the same except for one variable that changes. It's God's presence comes into Obed-Edom's home. But the, but the reaction that happens is a chain reaction where everything begins to change. And I just want to encourage you this morning that when you invite God's presence into the middle of your life, it might change this or that, but it eventually will have a chain reaction to change everything. If you choose your life to surround it around the presence of God, if you act like God's presence actually is the center of your life, it will begin to change who you are. It will begin to change your family. We're going to see that in a moment, that this experience, this three-month experience, completely changes not only Obed-Edom's life, but it changes the course of him and his family family forever. But if you choose to surround your life in the presence of God, I believe God will do supernatural things in your life. There'll be supernatural provision. There'll be supernatural favor. There'll be divine connections and relationships that you can never open, doors you could never open, things you can never think up, directions you can never pick for yourself, that God's presence will lead you if you choose to make him the center. I want to show you this Look at this, Obed-Edom is so impacted by these three months in his life that history tells us that he leaves his home and he follows the ark to Jerusalem. I don't blame him. If, if like this thing showed up in my house and my life completely changed and everybody's like, yo, what happened? <laughs> like, like how, how did you get those zeros in your bank account? I don't know, but I'm following that thing to wherever it's going, right? It says he leaves his house in Gath. He's a Gittite. He goes to Jerusalem, he follows the ark and he becomes a gatekeeper, a musician, and a doorkeeper for the ark. It's like he doesn't even care what job he has. You know, I think that's such a cool thing in the, about the presence of God, that when you experience God's presence, kind of all the, all, all the purpose of your life surrounds just experiencing the presence of God. He doesn't have to be up front. He doesn't have to be the main dude. He's happy with standing at the door just protecting God's presence. He's happy being a musician in the house. There's thousands of musicians. Hey, just let me play. I can kind of play. Let me play in the band one, on Friday nights. I'll be there. I'll play. I want to be here, right? It says he leaves everything and he stands at the gate. He plays on the worship team and he stands at the door. Why? It's because the presence of God has so impacted his life. It's changed him that he has to get, he has to follow it. I can't go back to the way I used to live. I mean, it was maybe fine, but I got to, I got to pursue whatever this thing is. And I just want to say to you that when you get a real taste, and I know many of you have, if not all of you here today, but if you get a real taste of God's presence, of God for real, not just religion, not just church, not just singing worship songs, but when God touches your life, and the presence of God is made real to you, 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 you don't want to go back. You don't want to leave. Like, this is too good to quit. It's too good to quit. I've heard many people say before, people who have, been addicted to drugs and alcohol and different substances that gives them a momentary high. They said, the presence of God is so much of a greater purposeful feeling than any drug, any alcoholic binge, anything that I've ever experienced. God's presence is better. 
I just want to say to you today that whatever it is that we can surround our life with, whatever we can put in the middle of our camp that we look to for joy, for, for, for purpose, God's presence is better. Whatever it is, God being in the middle, it's better. I want to read you these verses. Just a few more verses. It says, Obed-Edom, he serves for the rest of his life as a doorkeeper, musician. Look at this, 1 Chronicles 15. Bear with me because I'm going to read some difficult names today, okay? So, Shabaniah, mm, Joshaphat, Nethanel, Amasai, Zechariah, Benai, and Eliezer, I did it, the priests, were to blow the trumpets before the ark of God, and Obed-Edom and Jehiah, doorkeepers for the ark. Sorry, I just realized I, I didn't give Evan the verses. Evan, this next verse is 1 Chronicles 16.5. Look at this verse. 1 Chronicles 16.5 says this. And so, so that last verse, Obed-Edom is right there. It says he's a doorkeeper for the ark. 1 Chronicles 16.5 says this. Asaph was the chief, and next to him in rank were Zechariah, then Jazel, oh boy, Shemirmoth, Jehel, uh, Mattiatha, Eliab, Beniah, Obed-Edom, there he is, and Jael. They were to play the lyres and harps, and Asaph was to sound the cymbals. He was on the worship team. He's left his town, and he's followed the presence of God. First Chronicles 16.38 says this. He also left Obed-Edom and his 68, 68 associates to minister with them. He ultimately becomes a leader. It says, Obed-Edom, the son of Jeduthun, and also Hosea, were gatekeepers. So we see this man, Obed-Edom, appear multiple times in Scripture. It's always with the presence of God. It's always surrounding the ark of God. Why? Because he's been changed by something real. It's been changed. I want to read this to you. Obed-Edom is not only blessed in ministry and relationship with the Lord. I love this. His family is also blessed. God gives him eight sons. His sons and his grandsons also worshiped the Lord and were blessed by the Lord. They were all leaders, capable men, with strength to do the work. There were 62 men in all. Obed-Edom, along with his other duties, was put in charge of the south gate and were sons, were keepers of the storehouse. This guy's life is completely, radically, the course of it and his family and for generations is completely changed. His sons serve in the house of God. His grandchildren serve in the house of God. He, the rest of his life, lives around the presence of God. Why? It's because he experiences something real. And I just want to say to you today that if you choose to put it in the middle of your life, you'll experience it in a real way. It might be a growing experience. You may feel like, well, I, I seek God and I sometimes don't feel him. I don't hear him speak, I promise you. If you choose to make God's presence the center of your life, where you act like, hey, that thing's in your house, it's in your life, God will begin to shift your thoughts. He'll give you favor. He'll give you blessing. He'll give you a love for him. He'll change things that used to be desires. He'll change your desires to new desires. He'll do something new in your life. I want to share this with you. I think this is so cool. I think every single number and every single name in Scripture is there for a purpose and a reason. It's not by accident this man's name is Obed-Edom. I want to share with you what the name Obed means. I think this is so cool. Obed, what does it mean? It means one who serves God in the right way. Obed means one who serves God in the right way. How do I serve God today? How do I serve God? It's surround my life, excuse me, surround my life around his presence. 
It isn't just in religion and church and, and dressing a certain way, acting a certain way. No, when you surround your life around the presence of God, maybe all those things will be included, but your main focus will be being close. No more long distance relationship. No more talking to him when it's a 911 call. Oh God, there's, there's not enough zeros in the bank. No, it'll be a relationship. It'll be like your closest friend, your closest confidant. The one whose presence that you long to be around. Your whole life will change. Your priorities will change. Your family will change. Your loves will change. Who you are will change. I want to read with you just a few more verses. I love in Scripture, uh, Psalm 119.11 says this. There's this man in Scripture named David. We'll end with this over the next few minutes. David, it says, uh, is a man after God's own heart. I love that superlative. It's said twice in scripture. It says in the Old Testament, God says it about him. And it says in Acts that he's called by God, a man after God's own heart. Can you imagine God calling you that? That's a man who is after what I'm after. That's a man who wants what I want. I know people love me, but that's a man who I can look at and say, our hearts are the same. And what was it about David that separated him from the people around him? Is he was, I don't, I don't is, this word has a bad connotation, but he was ob- almost obsessed with the presence of God. He surrounded his life with it. You read the Psalms and, and David's life isn't perfect. We all know that. And he has ups and downs. And sometimes you read the Psalms and you're like, this guy's an emotional wreck. He's like, slay my enemies, but I know you love me. It's like, dude, chill, right? It's like, he, 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 he's in these moments of where you see him where he's raw before God. He's just saying what he's feeling, but he is always seeking God's presence. He's always seeking the voice, the presence, the face of God, God. Be in the middle of this. I don't know what to do. I want to read you some verses. Psalm 119, 11. He says this. He says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I believe this, that when you start surrounding your life around the presence of God, the, the first thing that happens is your desires begin to change. What you desire changes. This is what the Holy Spirit, God's presence, begins to do in your life. Things that used to be attractive, things that used to be fulfilling, things that used to feel purposeful, all of a sudden in the presence of God, it becomes secondary, tertiary. I don't know what the fourth area is, but that too, to the presence of God. It comes further down the priority list. Why? Because our desires begin to change in the presence of God. When his words in our heart, when when his words in my life, I don't want to... I don't want to pursue sin. Separates me from the presence of God. Separates me from that closeness, that relationship that I want so desperately. It's not what I want. How do I care for the presence of God in my life? I think, too, you have to seek it. There is a pursuing of God's presence. Too often we are passive in our pursuit of God's presence. Well, God loves me, and, 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 and I'm going to, you know. No, it says this. David says this, Psalm 27 Verse four, Psalm 27, four, he says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. I love that. Psalm 27, four says, he desires one thing. The the most important thing, the middle thing in his life. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And he says, that will I seek. What does he desire? What will he seek? One thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. I just want to bring up this point, and you can turn to 2 Corinthians 3.18. It, it, it says that he wants to behold the beauty of God. I love how Obadiah, he didn't have to do much in God's presence. 
He just had to stay there. He had to abide. He didn't have to, I don't want to be funny or crass, but he didn't have to do anything to the ark. He didn't have to do any dance. or He didn't have to do anything. He just had to abide there. He had to be present. And this is the thing about God's presence, that when you are in God's presence, that's why we gather here today, is when you are in God's presence, you're changed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. says, but when we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as, a, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let me read that to you one more time. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory, the presence of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is what happens in God's presence. When you sit there, when you say, like David said, I behold, I look, I abide, I stay. That's why we, we say it's so important to have a devotional life. Why? When you get into God's presence, you don't have to do any performance. You just have to be present and open, and God will begin to change. It says that he's going, you're going to be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So all of a sudden, you begin, begin thinking more like God thinks. You begin loving people like God loves. You begin doing the things that God would do. How do we become more like Jesus? It's actually spend time in his presence, be in his presence. And then I'm changed. I don't just try to be nicer. I don't try to be better. I don't try to be a loving person. No, because ultimately out of my own strength, all those things will always fall short. But when it is Jesus changing you from glory to glory, oh, I, I used to react a different way to this situation. But all of, I, I notice I'm, I'm nicer. Ladies, get your husbands into the presence of God. They'll be nicer to you. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> I'm different. I'm changed. I'm not like I used to be. I don't think about that person. I used to be angry at that person. You ever somebody in your life that you just did not like? Ugh. They did that one too many times, and I'm not going to put up with it any longer. I won't be your doormat. Oh, I feel like my heart toward you have changed. I don't know why, but I kind of love you. This is weird. <laughs> we spend time in God's presence, you begin to change. Let me say this to you, just a couple more verses. Um, I won't return to this, but I'll just read it to you. We need to, we need to learn how to obey. Obey the word of God and the will of God. It says this, as Jesus is saying, as my father loved me, also I have loved you. Abide in my love. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. What are we talking about? Staying close to Jesus. How do we stay close? We've talked about uh, 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 having a desire for him, seeking him. Um, him changing our desires. And this is so important, obeying him. It says, uh, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Look at this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forever." More. I want to show you something interesting. The fullness of joy is found in God's presence. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 says this. Adam and Eve have just sinned. They've fallen away from God's presence. And it says, uh, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the 
garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. All of a sudden, when sin came into the world, this thing called shame came into the world. Have you ever felt shame before? Shame is this. I want to explain it real quick, and then we'll finish that. Shame and conviction are close to the same feeling, but conviction is always of God. Why? Because conviction is always attached with hope at the end. There's always attached to, to, to the Holy Spirit convicting you. Come. Repent, I'll restore you, I'll heal you. There's forgiveness. Condemnation is this. Condemnation is almost the same feeling, but without the hope attached to the end. This is who you are. This is who you're always gonna be. God won't accept you. You think of the shame that Adam and Eve were feeling. We can't go back into the presence of God. We can't experience the joy we used to feel. We can't go into God's presence because we are wrong now. We're different. But the Bible says now that Jesus has come and we can enter in the presence of God, it shows us, it tells us, you show me the path of life because where is joy? Where is the thing that we're all looking for? I just believe it. It's, it's a life centered around the presence of God. And I know that's counterintuitive. I know that the world yells and screams that things make you happy, that fame makes you happy, that, 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 that notoriety and money makes you happy, that beauty makes you happy. But let me just say if, those things made you happy that we wouldn't have suicide in Hollywood. I don't want to be crass, but if sexual fulfillment made you happy, prostitutes would be the happiest women in the world, but we don't see that. We see them drug addicted, pain, pained, hurting, broken. The things of this world will never satisfy the holes in our hearts. Been put there, they're there, and they need to be filled by one thing, a life centered around God's presence. So let me finish with this. That God was never satisfied with living in a building. He's never satisfied living in a back room of a tent. And Sarah, you can come and play. That'd be great. He's never satisfied with living in a building. His heart was always to live in one spot. It's to live in you. It's to live in me. 1 Corinthians 6.19, I'll end with this this morning, says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Let me read that to you one more time. And do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You believe in Jesus today. You've been bought with a price. You, your body doesn't even belong to yourself anymore. It's supposed to be a place where God lives, where God resides. And the ultimate uh, 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 the ultimate thing that happens from that is you are changed, your family are changed, your friends are changed, your world's changed, the people at your job are changed, your kids see it, your grandkids will feel it, everybody will know. You ever had that, that person in your life? Man, they didn't have to say anything, but I just feel that, I know that man walks with God. I feel the presence of God on that woman's life. What, what's with you? When you surround your life around the presence of God, and let me just say this, end with this. You don't have to be weird. You have to be odd. God's presence will make you more loving. He'll, look, the fruit of the Spirit will come out of your life. It will be evident. Love, joy, peace, faithfulness. It says at the end of that scripture, there's no law against any of that stuff. It's what people are looking for. People are desiring what you have. So I just want to encourage you today. Hey, would we just refocus and... And maybe if we've gotten our priorities out of whack, and this time we're all our priorities have been out of whack, so many different things are changing, could we say once again, God, you're my main priority still. You're the one I surround my life with. You're the one that I, I know is with me and, and will change me and will 
be closer than my very breath and you love me and you lead me and you guide me and even when tragedy strikes and problems happen and things that I don't understand come into my life, I can still trust you because I still know your presence is with me and anything that hasn't killed me can't destroy me and you're for me and you're not against me and I believe that you're with me and nothing, and nothing that the enemy would send my way can stop him. And so today I wanna pray with you Maybe if you want to today just say to God, God, I feel like my priorities have been a little out of focus. I've been too focused on too many tertiary, secondary things in my life that aren't as important. I repent today. And so if that's you in this place, if you want to realign your priorities today, you know what? God's presence has been outside of my life. And I've been in a long distance relationship with God's presence. But I want to reevaluate. I want to, I want to get closer. I want it to be a moment-by-moment moment thing where God speaks to me, where I feel his presence, where I know he's with me. If that's you today, I want you to just lift your hand in this place. And I want to pray for all of us who that's our desire, that we would be closer than ever before. So if that's you today, just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in this place. I feel you right now. I know that you're real. I know that you're with us. I know that you're for us. I know that it's your desire to come closer to us than sometimes we even want to come closer to you. So God, we just repent today and we say, God, where you have been a long distance God at times, where you've been a weekly God at times, Lord, we want you to be moment by moment. We want to stay in your presence. We want to live in your presence. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear what you have to say. And God, we promise we will guard it. We will, be, we will protect it. We will follow it wherever it leads us. And Lord, we'll just allow you to change us from glory to glory to glory. Lord, we'll let you do the work of heart transformation. We'll let you do the work of filling us with joy, filling us with fulfillment, filling us with purpose. And Lord, we'll seek you. And we say that today in our hearts. And so Lord, we love you. We thank you for your, for your presence that we feel right now, or that we experience your peace filling this room. We know that you're real. We know that you're close. We know that you love us. And so I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts. In Jesus' name.